Hey, welcome back to the Final Authority Podcast. I'm your host, Woody, and if you've been listening, it's been a while. Uh, I didn't go back and look at the date from my last recording, but I know it's been more than a couple weeks. Um, if you didn't know already, I am trucking again, so right now I'm sitting in Phoenix, Arizona, uh, taking my 34-hour break. It's a mandatory, basically a weekend break that you're required to take after you work 70 hours in a week and sitting here I decided I would do a podcast so there's going to be since I'm in a truck stop there's going to be a little bit of a rumble in the background hopefully it's not overwhelming if it is then oh well you don't have to listen you can, uh, I won't my feelings won't be hurt if nobody listens to this podcast but I gotta gotta get my thoughts out anyway This podcast is going to be five reasons that God hates socialism. And you could throw in the words postmodernism, Marxism, um, uh, critical theories, critical race theory, just about any of those. All of these principles from the Word of God outlay the reasons that God hates these ideologies. Um, So uh, let's get right into it. The first reason that God hates socialism... And these are not in any particular order as far as prioritized. Uh, In other words, the first reason is not the most important reason per se. Although, uh, you know, it's just the best flow of the train of thought that I had at the time I was coming up with this. So anyway, the first reason that God hates socialism comes from Deuteronomy 30.19. Where the Lord says, I set before you this day, I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you this day, that I have set before you life and death and blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life so that you and your seed may live. This is one of my favorite verses in the entirety of Scripture. Because really, the entire plan of God is encapsulated in this one verse, as it is in so many others. Uh, this is not the only one like that, but you can preach the whole gospel from this, from this verse. Uh, but concerning socialism, there's something in here uh, he, he said, I set before you this day life and death, blessing and cursing, therefore you choose. The understood subject is you. You choose. God is granting us individuality. If you go back to Genesis 1, 2, and 3, you see that God gave Adam and Eve a choice. He didn't force them to obey him. He didn't force them to act the way that he wanted them to act, the way that would be best for them. He gave them a choice. He said, hey, don't eat from this tree, because if you do, you'll surely die. And then the serpent came and beguiled them, and they made the choice, the decision, to violate the contract that they had with God to hand over their authority to Satan, which led to the world we live in today. But the idea of free will and individuality is something that socialism is diametrically opposed to. You see, God said, you choose. He gave us free will, and that free will leads to inventions it leads to creativity it leads to uh, business and creative what is the word I'm looking for uh, innovation innovation that's the word I was looking for at least innovation this individuality this ability to choose this freedom to decide what direction you're gonna go in your life what decisions you're gonna make at different turning points is given to us by God. And that's the reason that socialism is uh, against it, because socialism says you don't have a choice. Uh, The government tells you who you are and what you will do and rejects this idea of individuality. 
And this is a postmodernist idea. This is a Marxist idea. This is a socialist idea, uh, a critical theory idea. All of this, all of these ideologies clash up against the plan of God in this way by stripping mankind of his independence, of his individuality. When I say mankind, obviously I'm referring to male and female, men and women. Uh, and that's a pretty good transition into the next point from this scripture. He said, so that choose life so that you and your seed may live. Now, your seed is referring to the male reproductive uh, organ and system where here you look at this. God is indicating there are two genders. There are two sexes, male and female. And sin, if you do a wholesome study of scripture, you'll find that sin is passed through the seed of the man. That's why Jesus had to come uh, through a virgin, not through the seed of a man. Uh, he was the seed of God. Um, and because of that, the seed of man did not pass sin down, the nature of sin down into him. So he was able to exercise free will and choose whether to sin like Adam did or whether to choose the righteousness of God as the second and last Adam he made the, the right decision and became our savior. So praise God for that. But in reference to the seed, choose life so that you and your seed may live. God is acknowledging there are only man and woman. And that clashes directly up against postmodernism and critical theory, uh, as well as Marxism and socialism. All these ideologies share a lot. But there's uh, another thing. Well, to back that up, you can go at Genesis 2:24, where he said that this, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, male and female, and cleave unto his wife, female, and the two shall be one flesh. So God's plan for man and woman is that man and woman shall procreate after marriage, um, male and female. Just thought I'd throw that in there. The other part of that, so that you and your seed may live, that word live refers to uh, prosperity. It refers to being nourished and preserved. So God is saying, I have set before you life and death. I have set before you blessing and cursing, recognizing God is the source of the life, of the blessing. And if we choose the life and the blessing that he has made available, that he has provided to us, then we can live prosperously. We can be nourished in every, every area, spiritually, physically, financially, and we can be preserved because he is our source. And that's another area where the plan of God clashes with socialism because God says, I am your source. Uh, socialist government says, we are your, or I am your source. You don't need this God figure because I will be like God. It is so bright. It is directly cast in the image of Satan where he said, I will be like God. I will exalt my throne to the regions above the regions of the north. And that's what caused him to get cast out of heaven like lightning, Jesus said. Um, but here you have socialism saying the government will be your source. The government will send you a stimulus check. The government will. And that's why I got so irritated when so many people just bowed down to these government lockdown orders and nobody, nobody fought it. Relatively speaking, nobody fought, nobody resisted these massive mass overreaching mandates to just stay home. And the government said, you're not essential. Who are you to say I'm not essential when Christ died for me? And that's another area where socialism contradicts or clashes up against Christianity. Uh, it doesn't. It recognizes government as the Savior and refuses to recognize Jesus as Savior.
and we're still on number one why god hates socialism and this is this is a high level thirty thousand foot overview i'm not really getting into any details but just thinking about it i thought this is a discussion that needs to happen christians should hate and reject socialism outright and this podcast is five reasons why so continuing with number one where God said, I set before you this day life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life so that you and your seed may live. He's saying there are consequences to your choices, and you're going to have to endure those consequences. If you choose life and blessing, then you will live prosperously. You'll be nourished and preserved. If you choose death and cursing, you're going to have to endure those consequences. But the ability to choose given us by God, the choice given us by God to exercise our free will leads, it's necessary for mankind to prosper. It is, there's something in us designed to strive for the best, to reach for greatness. God put that in us. And we need that free will in order to exercise our creativity and innovation. The ability to choose gives color and inspiration to our lives. And socialism strips man, mankind, men and women, of that ability to choose, of that freedom to choose. And in stripping that free will from mankind, from men and women, it degrades and de demoralizes the people that are being relieved of that freedom, Forceful, forcibly relieved of that freedom. Socialism comes in and says, here is the system, here is the caste that you're going to be a part of or the group that you're, you are now a part of and you are not allowed to leave that group. We identify you as a member of that group. You are not an individual anymore. You are a member of that group and as such you only have so many rights and here's what those rights are. We don't any, any longer have any freedom, individual freedom to choose, to express ourselves, to create, to innovate. It's demoralizing and it strips people of their humanity. And in doing so, it leads to hopelessness and depression. It leads to drug usage and, and utter destruction. Socialism is it's a hellish thing. It comes straight out of the bowels of hell. It's a devilish thing and it really ought to go back there. So that's the number one reason in this train of thought why God hates socialism. It directly contradicts the individualism that God has given us, the ability to choose the right of free will given us by God because it does not acknowledge God. Socialism does not acknowledge God as God uh, and as provider. It sets itself up in the place of God. It sets itself up in the place of provider. It says, we, the socialist government, will be the provider, your source, your supply, and there is no other way to get things done. Which leads to the number two reason why God hates socialism, and Christians should hate socialism. We should reject it outright as well. And that is, it's a violation, direct violation of the first commandment. In Exodus 20, in verses 1 through 6, we have God's first commandment to the Israelite people. And I read from the King James Version because that's the version I grew up on. And also I believe that the uh, manuscripts that were used in the translation of the King James are, uh, first off, they're older, they're more complete, and they're more reliable than some of the others that were used in the NIV and uh, the NLT. Uh, the NIV and NLT have 
uh, a good use when it comes to the poetic books, the book of Psalms, the book of Proverbs, uh, and some of the law books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Uh, but for an overall study, for accuracy, I prefer the King James. The Amplified does a good job of bringing everything, everything out. They all have their place. I don't dislike any of them, uh, but I, I prefer the King James. Anyway, the first commandment in Exodus 20, God spake all these words. This is verse 1 through 6, I believe. Yeah, 1 through 6. God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which has brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make unto thee any graven image, or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down yourself to them, nor serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. No other gods before me. What, what I said before that led into this was socialism, a socialist government, establishes itself as the dictator, as the Lord, as the God, lowercase g, of the people, as the source and provider of the people, effectively removing God from his place in the minds of man and establishing the government in that place. It's putting government in the place of God, directly violating the first commandment. It also says, don't bow down to or serve these other gods. Subjects who are sub people who are subjected to a socialist government become the serv servants of the government. The taxes are so ridiculously high that they are no more than slaves to the government. And then the government decides how much they are allowed to keep, which is very, very little, if any. Uh, and it steals from the rich and makes everybody poor, except for the few tyrants that serve in high governmental positions uh, and some of their favorite smaller tyrants who enforce their will. So it establishes itself, socialism does, as God, which is in direct violation of this first commandment. And the other thing is, he says here, there are consequences to whether you choose to accept God as your Lord or not, or something else, or some some other being as your God, in this case socialism. Uh, he said, I am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children under the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. This piggybacks right on top of what uh, Deuteronomy 30.19 said, uh, what I discussed about Deuteronomy 30.19, that your actions have consequences. And in that one, if you choose death, if you choose cursing, if you choose the way that's opposite of God, life and blessing, then you're going to endure cursing and death, spiritual, physical, financial death. Uh, in the same way, in the same verse, or sorry, in, in this commandment, God said, you'll have no other gods before me, because he gives us the consequences of choosing the opposite. He visits the iniquity of the fathers upon the children under the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. I submit to you that people who choose a socialist government, every instance in history, the socialism has destroyed the nation physically, spiritually, financially for generations to come. Now, it used to be that we would look at that and say, that is the judgment of God. And now that's become taboo for whatever reason. Uh, it's politically incorrect to say something like that, but that's the truth. That's exactly what is happening here. He said, if you don't choose to honor me as God, there are consequences. And when you understand the grace and mercy of God and you understand how he operates, you see that 
in the the book of Job showed us something, and I'm gonna I'm gonna do a whole podcast on Job. I love the book of Job because it's so misunderstood, but there's so much good stuff in there. But if Job showed us anything, it showed us that when we step out of line uh, from God's way of doing things, there are consequences. The the enemy is able to get at us. Uh, is a, a simple way to say it. When you step out of the covenant that God has given us, when you step outside his bounds, he's created a hedge around us for protection. Remember Deuteronomy 30 said, life, that word life has to do with with uh, being preserved. And so when we step outside of the hedge, Job tells us that God had created a hedge around Job that Satan couldn't get in. But when Job uh, sinned and stepped outside the bounds of that hedge or created a breach in that hedge, you could say, Satan was able to get in, utterly destroy his life, and the majority of that book is about the destruction, even though it was only between three and 12 months. Uh, and the rest of his life was, was wonderful, and God had mercy and restored him. Job didn't sin in the way that Satan accused him of, and God restored him. But when you step outside the bounds of what God says is right, you step over into enemy territory, or you at least create a breach in the wall of protection God has placed around you. The Bible says God upholds everything by the word of his power. Every He is exercising a certain amount of protection over every single person on the earth. He is the source of life. He is giving life to every person on the earth because he believes he is a God of faith. He believes that it's his desire that none should perish, but that all should have everlasting life. It's his desire that everybody should be saved. And so he's preserving unto the last moment, as long as he can. He is merciful and, and long-suffering. He's, he's hoping that if he keeps them alive long enough, so to speak, maybe this isn't the best way to say it, but if he keeps them alive long enough, maybe they'll turn to him and they'll see the light and they'll come to him. So God is protecting everybody, even sinners, to a certain degree. There's a hedge where Satan can't just come and kill everybody. If he could, he would have already done it. But when we create that breach and we violate our, the light that we have and we step outside the bounds of God, we step over in the enemy's territory, he's able to get at us. And socialism is the enemy's territory. Socialism is the enemy's government. Socialism, violating the commandment of God that you shall have no other gods before me, establishes the government and men in the government as the source and supply in the place where only God should be exposing an entire nation and generations to come to the destruction of the enemy. That's what socialism does. And and God hates that. And we should too. Genesis 22, 14 is where Moses said, uh, Moses, God revealed himself to Moses as Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, the our provider. And he named the place there, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord shall provide. God is our provider, not government. Socialism refuses to acknowledge God as God. Again, reiterating this fact that socialism establishes itself as God and the tyrannical leaders as in the place of God rather than acknowledging God as God. So that's the second reason that God hates socialism. It directly violates the commandment of God to have no other gods before Him. The third reason that God hates socialism, and so should we, is the seventh commandment in Genesis 20, 15. In verse 15, if you know the seventh commandment, it says, Thou shalt not steal. It's four words. Very simple. Thou shalt not steal. But, and really, you could, you could, uh, well, I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. Thou shalt not steal. What socialism does 
is it steals from the rich and makes everybody poor except those few tyrants in high positions in the government, the governing body. Um, socialism is thievery. It is a caste system. It is a it's a postmodern idea, which I will do an entire podcast on what is postmodernism and critical theory and um, uh, da, 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 progressivism. I'll do an entire podcast following this one on exactly what postmodernism is. But in effect, postmodernism identifies everybody as part of a group, stripping people of their individuality. Okay, uh, and it only sees oppressed and oppressor, which is exactly what socialism is. Socialism is tyrannical rulers in the government oppressing anybody who's not a ruler in the government, stealing from the rich, making everybody poor. Oppre- the, the oppression that happens in socialism is that if you make more than your buddy, you must some way, in some way be, be oppressing him. This is a postmodernist idea. You must in some way be oppressing him, even if you're unaware of it. And so we have to correct that. So we're going to take what you earned worked for, created, built, and redistribute it to those who uh, either couldn't or didn't apply themselves in that way to create something, because it's just not fair that you have that much. Socialism says we are the umpires, we are the referees, and we don't like that you have that much, and it's very, very uh, jealous in that it does not like any threats to its power, and if somebody is creating wealth, that's a threat to the government. That's a threat to whatever tyrants are in power, and they're going to confiscate that wealth so that that threat is annihilated. And so the third reason that God hates socialism is it directly violates the seventh commandment, thou shalt not steal. And it's ironic that those who are stealing are in, under socialism are going to be the government leaders. Uh, they're going to be stealing from the subjects or victims, however you want to say it. And redistributing that wealth mostly probably 95% to 99% into the pockets of the tyrants and the other 1% maybe will go to uh, the people who are subjected to that government every time we we have seen socialism enacted communism Marxism fascism uh, Stalinism in whatever form it's taken it has been utterly destructive and it's predictable that it will never work because of these principles we're talking about right now. It violates the, the first commandment of God, that you shall have no other gods, establishing itself as God. Uh, it eliminates mankind of his freedom given him by God to choose his individuality, his ability to have free will. It violates that. It steals from people who have worked with their hands and their minds and created something the fourth reason God hates socialism, and so should we, is it violates the ninth commandment, Exodus 20:17, "Thou shalt not covet." Again, um, "Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house." Verse 17: "You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, or his maidservant, or his ox, or his ass, or anything—that's donkey—or anything that is thy neighbor's. You shall not covet." So, socialism is rooted in greed and covetousness. And that's why it steals from people. It's rooted in people who see the success that others have have earned, worked for, created, and it wants that money, that success, that fame, that wealth, that identification, and so it strips that other person of it and gives it to those who are in authority. 
or who are in favor with those who are in authority. Socialism is a devilish, devilish thing. And the fifth reason that God hates socialism, and so should we, is that God loves people. 2 Peter 3.9 talks about how God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to everlasting life, the knowledge of Christ. God doesn't want people destroyed. And socialism destroys. Socialism is rooted in carnality. And Romans 1.27 talks about carnality and says that people who engage in carnality are suffering, are given over to the lust of their flesh and suffer in their own bodies the penalty of that carnality. Galatians 6, 7, and 8 in the NLT talks about when you yield to the Spirit, you reap life. When you yield to the flesh, which is carnality, which is what this stuff is, you reap a harvest of death and decay, the NLT says. And the New Testament commandment that Jesus gave us in John 13, 33 through 35, Jesus said, A new command I give to you, that you love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love, love towards one another. He said, love each other as I have loved you. God cares about people, and he doesn't want people destroyed. And every time we've seen socialism tried, it has been utterly destructive. Even in America, it has been tried in these Democrat-run cities, in Seattle, in Washington, in uh, Los Angeles, in New York, in Chicago, and it has destroyed the economies of these cities. It's destroyed the culture. It's destroyed the lives of the people there who are being subjected to these exorbitant taxes, this restructuring of the tax code, of the cultural identities of people. It's utterly destructive. It's a destructive ideology. And it always will be. It always has been. It always will be. God hates socialism because it destroys people. It destroys people's lives, and God cares about people. So if you care about people, you should hate socialism as well, and you should reject it at every turn. You should resist it and reject it openly, clearly. So those are the five reasons God hates socialism and social Christians. Number one, God gave us the free will, the right to choose. He gave us individuality and the ability to choose that came from Genesis 1. It's illustrated in Deuteronomy 30:19. And the number two reason God hates socialism in this discussion, number two, again, not in order of priority, but number two here is it violates the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. God said, I am God. Don't put anything else in my place. And as a matter of fact, since we're here, let's. I, I want to make a little side note on taking the Lord's name in vain. Uh, so after he said, I am the Lord, and then he said, you shall uh, you observe the Sabbath day, because in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, on the seventh day he rested, honor your father and mother. Uh, he also said, where is it? Shall not kill, shall not commit adultery, shall not steal, shall not bear false witness, shall not covet, and all the people saw the thunderings. Da -da 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 -da. Where is it? Oh, verse 7. I had it highlighted and I kept looking over it because it was highlighted. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless that takes his name in vain. Did you know that that word, taking his name in vain, is not necessarily... It is, but it's not only cursing. It's not saying, well, G-O-D-D-A-M-N. It's not uh, 
using him swearing by his name. I swear on a stack of Bibles. It's not, it is that, it is that, don't get me wrong, but it's a whole lot more than that. Taking the name of the Lord in vain, that word take has to do with carrying or bearing. And the New Testament tells us that we've been given the name, which is above every name. In Christ, we've been made the righteousness of God. We've been given His Spirit and given the name which God gave to Jesus. We've, been, we've inherited that name, so we carry that name. So anything that we do while bearing this name that is ungodly or unrighteous is taking the Lord's name in vain. It's got a whole lot more to it than just the way that we talk. So I thought I'd throw that little side note in there. Um, but the third reason God hates socialism is because it violates the seventh commandment, thou shalt not steal. The fourth reason is because it violates the ninth commandment, thou shalt not covet, which is why socialism steals, because it covets what other people have. And then the fifth reason that God hates socialism, and this may be the number one reason, is because it destroys the lives of people and God cares about every person and he's not desirous that any should perish but that all should have everlasting life. These are the reasons, five reasons, not the only reasons, not uh, all of the reasons, but these are five reasons that God hates socialism and so should we as Christians. And we should reject it, we should resist it, we should make an intelligent argument against it and uh, stand for righteousness, stand for right, light and truth. So there we have it. Got that off my chest, and I hope it was informative. I hope it helped you solidify your stance if you weren't sure about socialism. And again, I'm going to do an entire podcast. This next podcast, uh, I believe it's number 18, will be what is um, kind of a conglomeration of progressivism, postmodernism, Marxism, socialism. All of them share ideologies. Mostly it's postmodernism, which has led to uh, many of these these current day modern day ideologies so i'm gonna do an entire podcast on that hope you check it out but these are five reasons god hates socialism christians should hate and resist and stand against socialism yeah there it is so check out the next podcast as well where i give you a sort of detailed definition of postmodernism, uh, critical theory where it came from and what exactly it is and how we need to stand against it so thanks for listening be blessed catch you next time